We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. You know, for some, church is nothing more, as we talked last week, than a way to cleanse our conscience once a week, unload our guilt so that we can feel good about ourselves. For others, the church is just a social club, a place I can hang out with my friends because that's where the good people are at. For others, it's a way to serve the poor in the community or to do our works of service and acts of kindness. For others, it's an institution. They own it. They've invested in it. It's my church. My family's been here since its inception. It belongs to me. There are many different definitions and many different applications in our culture of what the church really is. But as we begin to talk about last week, when Jesus used the term, upon this rock I will build my church, he didn't use the word church. He used the word in the Greek, ecclesia. And ecclesia literally means called out ones. It means the assembly. It means those who are of like-minded, with like purpose. Jesus was prophesying in the scripture that down through the ages, there will be individuals that will hear my voice and determine to follow me. And when they determine to follow me, they become my ecclesia, my church. They become a part of who I am. Matter of fact, when you really look at the Greek, you'll realize that ecclesia isn't a religious term. It was a secular term. And it applied to any gathering of people who were united in purpose and in ideology. So it really wasn't about Jesus saying there's going to be this special little group of folks who follow me and will call them the church. No, he was using a secular term to say that you're going to come out of society, you're going to come out of the formal lifestyles, you're going to come out of those ideologies and beliefs that are contrary to the Scripture, and you're going to identify with those just like you who've received me as their Lord and Savior. That's what the church really is, the ecclesia. Matter of fact, that term was used for civic purposes. It was even used for military purposes when a group of soldiers would gather together for a purpose or for training or for a mission. So Ecclesia was simply a gathering or an assembly of people with a specific purpose. It never once was intended to refer to a place, but it was intended to refer to a common bond, to a special purpose. That's why I can say to you, you can walk into any culture, any country, speaking any language, and if they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you're a part of that ecclesia, that common bond, that gathering, that portion of the called out ones who choose to follow Jesus Christ. It's even interesting if you go back and study the Septuagint, and that is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. If you'll study the Septuagint, The scholars there and the writers of the scripture there also use the word ecclesia to refer to Israel in their communities and in their gatherings. Now, often we think, no, Israel calls themselves synagogues or temples. But if you read the original language, they call themselves ecclesia, a community, a gathering, not a synagogue, because that refers to a place that's referring to a people. And that's really the point I want to drive home through this series is that if we are the church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, it's not a place, it's a people. It's within you and me. The church of Jesus Christ lives in us. 
Ecclesia always referred to a group of people bound by a common ideology and a common purpose. You say, well, if the Greek really means ecclesia, then where do we get the word church? And why is the word church in our English Bibles? Why don't our Bibles just say called out ones? Why didn't Jesus say in our translation, upon this rock I will build my called out ones? Upon this rock I will build my gathering. Upon this rock I will build my community. And that's a really good question. So if you've thought that far ahead, I commend you. And I want to answer that question for you this morning. I touched briefly on this fact last week. Then in A.D. 313, Constantine became the ruler of Rome. And he actually legalized freedom of religion. And he, he, began, he actually even converted to Christianity. And when that happened, things began to change within the ecclesia, within the church of Jesus Christ. Before Constantine's rise to power, Christianity was illegal. It was an illegitimate way to worship. We were to worship the emperor in Rome, not some other god or some other deity. But when Constantine converted and made Christianity legal and freedom of religion a part of the Roman Empire, then things began to change for the ecclesia. Prior to that time, the ecclesia, the church, had knelt in houses. They usually had a meal, then they would study the scriptures, they would pray and fellowship together, strengthening one another. That's what the ecclesia did. Matter of fact, if you want to know more about the New Testament church, the early church, you need to be here at 9 o'clock every Saturday, Sunday morning, because over in room 103, Doug Apple is teaching the book of Acts, and it would be a great, great study for you to become a part of. That's every Sunday at 9 a.m. over in 103. He'll teach you about the early church. But after the conversion of this emperor, then the church began to introduce and accept and assimilate some of the imperial pomp and, pomp and circumstance associated with Rome into the church. After this happened, we began to burn incense in the church. After this happened, ornate clothing and costumes began to be a part of what the church was, processionals became a part of the church. Choirs became a part of the church. Pageantry became a part of the church. And worship moved from informal house settings to formal, hierarchical. And it made the congregation, this is the point I really want you to hear, spectators, not participants. That's one of the reasons I love our worship, because we want to participate in uplifting Jesus Christ. We don't ask you to sing and lift your hands because it does something for us, but because it does something for you. Because it opens a channel where you can worship God and you can magnify His name and declare you are wonderful, you are good, you are mighty. Oh, come on, church. We need to understand that never was worship intended to be a spectator sport. It was always intended and should yet be intended today to involve participation as we worship the Lord. The worship team isn't here to worship before us. They're here to lead us into the presence of God and encourage us to worship Jesus Christ. We have to understand that everything that's done in the realms of the modern, what we call church, should be done to uplift Him and to point men to Christ. So that if I'm having a really rotten day... And if I get in a fight with Yvonne before church, no, that doesn't happen. If my kids are out of line in the back seat and I threaten to stop and give them some what for on the way to church, then my attitude probably isn't right when I come in, right? 
I'm probably not in a spirit of worship. But when someone is leading me, encouraging me, showing me how to worship God, then it opens up my heart to put that junk behind me to be once again a called out one and to magnify Jesus Christ. So I am thankful today that we can come to a place and lay everything down, forget all the nonsense and the noise of yesterday, and just come to exalt Jesus. Amen? Come to praise His name. Come to magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So with this transition, congregations became spectators rather than participants. And within 10 years, listen to me, within one decade, 10 years, the ecclesia ceased being a movement. They met in house to house and took the message of Jesus Christ to those who had never heard, and it became a location. The Romans called them basilicas. Basilicas. German cultures, influenced by Christianity, use the word kirche. And that's the word we translate church today. You see, the word church didn't come from ecclesia because that's not what ecclesia means. The word church came from a German translation, kirche, and that's where we get the word church. So we understand that, and that word in German literally means house of the Lord. So it's from this German word we translate into English the word church. Listen to me. This word church was not in the original manuscripts. It's not a translation from the Greek, but rather it's a substitution for ecclesia. Now you need to think about that for just a moment. I've been chewing on it for several weeks. Because it seems to me many times we are quick to substitute what God really wanted for what's convenient for us. We are quick to substitute what makes me feel good for what makes me right. You see, church was substituted for ecclesia. It's not a translation. Jesus didn't say, upon this rock, I will build my kirche. He said, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia, my called out ones, my assembly, my community, those of like precious faith, those who have a same purpose and a same bond. Upon the rock that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my ecclesia. I want to drive that home for you today because... The video, even though it's humorous, is also very true and very accurate. Because it makes the point that church is all about me. It's all about pleasing me. It's making sure that I find what I want that trips my triggers. Did you notice in that video there was nothing about Jesus? Did you notice that? Nothing about worshiping the King of Kings. Folks, let me say it one more time. The only reason we gather on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night is to lift up Jesus Christ. It's to praise and worship and adore Him. It's not about polity. It's not about policy. It's not about religion. It's not about ritual. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about service orders. Everything we do is about Jesus. And the moment we substitute what I like for what he wants, we stop being the ecclesia and we start being the church. I don't know about you, but I really want to be the called out ones. I really want to be those that Jesus prophesied of. 
I really want to be that group of individuals that are filled with the power from on high, that live life in the world differently from those around us. That's what the Ecclesia is. A group of called out ones. Because the Ecclesia in the fourth century became a place, the prophecy of Jesus Christ became powerless. You need to think about that for just a moment. Because the Ecclesia became a place, a building, an address, a location. Then the prophecy that Jesus said about upon this rock, let's just read it one more time. Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. You need to see what it says. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. That's important, folks, because it tells me it's on the confession of who he is, on the authority that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that we can stand in victory, we can stand in assurance, we can stand in confidence that I will not be defeated because he is not defeated. It's upon this rock. He said, I'm going to build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But look at verse 19. Because in verse 19, he says these words, And I will give to you, to who? The ecclesia, to the called out ones, to those who are part of that commonality of belief and doctrine and ideology, to those who believe I died and rose again from the dead, to you, I will give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth, oh, come on, folks, you want to talk about the church becoming powerless. When we moved into a building and said, this is who we are, we lost our identity and we lost our power. Our power doesn't flow from a denomination. Our power doesn't flow from an address. Our power doesn't flow from a sanctuary. Our power doesn't flow from videos and microphones and fancy music. Our power flows from the throne of God. Our power flows from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our power flows from Jesus, his son. We've got to get that in our spirit and in our hearts. He said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, it's time the church of Jesus Christ got back to the rock, became the ecclesia where the power flows through us. What does Romans 8, 11 tell us? It tells us the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in heaven. Dwells in a few certain churches. Dwells in Africa. No, it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You are the ecclesia. He's prophesying about you and me. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, come on, church, it's time to get that in your spirit. It's time to realize we are not powerless. We are not inept. We are not simply having to ride the waves of culture. No, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We're a powerful force. We're filled with the Holy Ghost of the living God. And what he's done once, he'll do again if we'll stop being the church and start being the ecclesia. Be the people of God, the called out ones. What does Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 14 say? Do you remember that scripture? 
Do you remember that passage? Let me read it for you very quickly and bring it to your attention one more time. Because the Apostle Paul says it this way, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. i just got to stop there. Most of the problems in the church are not due to satanic influence or forces. They're due to you and I not submitting to the authority of the Spirit of God and fighting with each other. Come on, it's time to get over yourself and over myself and say, it doesn't matter what I think. I want to know what he's saying, and I'm going to follow him. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. My fight is not with Pastor Chris. My fight is not with Doug. My fight is not with Dr. Davis. My fight is with the devil. And here's the good news. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, God always gives us the victory against that enemy through the Lord Jesus Christ. Read it again in Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, I like that conjunction, therefore, this is a call to action. Quit sitting around saying, I'm the church, and we're beat up and bruised and bloody, and start being the ecclesia through which the power of the Holy Ghost flows and rise up in rebellion against the enemy. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. What does he say in verse 14? Stand therefore. You want to know how to live in victory? Number one, be the ecclesia, not the church. Be a part of the called out ones through whom the Holy Spirit of God lives and flows. And then when the enemy comes against you, you don't turn, you don't run, you don't whine, you don't cry, you don't complain, but you put on the whole armor of God and you stand. You say, you think you're bad? You haven't met my big brother. You think you're going to whip me? You don't know the guy that's got my back. Because he said, all I have to do is be a part of him. His power is going to flow through me. And I don't have to do anything except stand. Oh, come on, church. The ecclesia understands the power of God and understands that when the devil comes against us, my responsibility is not to whine, moan, groan, and complain, but to stand. Take my stand upon the rock. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You died and rose again from the dead. And because of that, God gives me the victory. All I have to do is stand. 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 I want to get that into your spirit this morning. I want you to know and understand. It's all about taking your stand. And allowing God to move in you and through you to prove his power. Listen to me. You can lock the doors of the church, and we do every day. But you can't lock the doors of the ecclesia. The government come and, and chain this place up and shut it down. But the government cannot contain the ecclesia. 
You want to know why the church in China now has more born-again believers than they do members of the Communist Party? Because they tried to level it. They tried to take it out. They murdered believers. But you will not contain the ecclesia, the church, the body, the assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, church. It's time to be the ecclesia. It's time to be that group of people that say it doesn't matter what you say. I've got a show word from the Lord. I'm going to live according to that word. And I don't care if you don't like it. Redefine the church this morning as the ecclesia, as that body through whom the power of God flows. You see, when the vocabulary shifted in the fourth century from being the ecclesia and the means of worship shifted from house to house to a specific place, there was also a shift in the emphasis and direction of the church. Suddenly, the church lost its life. Suddenly, the church became about form and ritual. Suddenly, the church was no longer a movement of people bound together by purpose and ideology, but it's a building and a place. It's a sanctuary. It's a tabernacle. It's a basilica. It's a carice. It's now be, it now became a place and as a result lost its power. Let me say it one more time. The church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, it's not brick and mortar. It's you and me. It's you and me. And the amazing thing that happened through this transition in the fourth century is that suddenly whoever controlled the keys to the building controlled the scripture. Do you realize that by the 13th century, the Bible was actually chained to the pulpit? It was not in a language that men and women could read or understand. Only those who were special, only those who were priests or ordained ministers had access to the Word of God. Listen to me, we ought to get down on our knees and thank God every day that we can read the Bible in most versions we want, anywhere, any place, anytime. I don't have my phone with me this morning, but I thank God for Life Church in Oklahoma City who put out the U version. It's absolutely free. I can download that to my phone, and I may not have this with me, but I've always got that with me, and no matter where I am, I can read the Word of God. You see, that's what makes the difference. When we take the pages of this book out of the sanctuary into our homes, out of the sanctuary into our workplaces, out of the sanctuary into our circle of friends, and we begin allowing the scriptures to speak into our life, then once again, we become the ecclesia that called out one, the community of faith, the gathering of Jesus Christ. See, ecclesia is not an address. It's not a building. It's not an institution. It's not a denomination. It's not an organization. The ecclesia is a movement. It's a movement. It's people who say, I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm following him. The church began as a movement based on one fact. Jesus died and rose again from the dead. If you don't believe that, read Acts chapter 2. Because Peter made it very clear in a sermon on the day of Pentecost, the one that you chose to unlawfully and justly crucify, that you buried, rose again on the third day. And that's the reason you're seeing and hearing what you're seeing and hearing today. Oh, hear me, friend. Christianity isn't based on fallacy or fable, but on fact. 
Jesus died and rose again from the dead. That gives me confidence that no matter what I face, the greater one is with me. If he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he can conquer anything I face at any time. As long as I'm a part of that ecclesia. But then the church moved from being an ecclesia to being a location. And with that, it became insider-ran. With that, it became hierarchical-focused. It became filled with ritual and tradition. Atrocities then were carried out in the name of the church. Often the sword replaced the cross. You understand the cross brings us to salvation. But they used the sword to bring men to a place of conversion. The church grew rich and powerful And people lived in fear. Fear. If I do something they don't like, they're going to kick me out. If I don't toe the line, they're going to kick me out. And if they kick me out because it's the church, I can't go to heaven. Can I tell you, that's a bunch of garbage. Jesus is your ticket to heaven. Not a church, not a denomination, not the Virgin Mary. Come on, not the apostles, not the saints. Jesus is your ticket to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. See, the church tells you, you got to do it our way or you're not going to make it. But the ecclesia understands when I'm in Him and He's in me, When I'm grafted into the vine and the life of the vine flows through me, He will teach me and guide me and show me all things that pertain to my life and godliness in my life. You know, it's an absolute testimony to the power of God and the determination of God that the church even survived the first century. Persecution was rampant. Thousands and tens of thousands of believers in the first century were killed or jailed or beaten or flogged only because they believed in Jesus. And it's an absolute testimony to the fact that Jesus died and rose again that the church survived. And it's also a testimony that the church has survived the rituals, the traditions, the ridiculousness things that occur in the name of Jesus under the umbrella of a church. Oh, come on, I'm calling out the ecclesia this morning. I'm looking for that body of Christ today. I'm looking for those who will say, we don't mind defending Pharisees because they're a part of the church. We're a part of the ecclesia. We're on different wavelengths. We're going a different direction. We're doing things to the drumbeat of God. We're not listening to culture. We're not listening to the stipulations of our government. We are listening to the voice of the Most High God. We're living according to His Word, and we're going to follow Him. I'm looking for the ecclesia. I'm looking for those who are part of the called out ones of Jesus Christ. See, here's where I'm going with this this morning. If your life is built upon that confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If your life is built on that rock-solid foundation, if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus died, and on Sunday morning He rose again from the dead, if you know that, then it doesn't matter what you face or what you encounter. It doesn't matter how ugly or mean or difficult life becomes. Because there is an assurance in your spirit that says, my God will see me through. That says, my God's already got this figured out. 
There's an assurance in your spirit that Paul penned to the Corinthians when he said, There hath no temptation taken you, but which is common to man. And God is faithful in that with the temptation, He will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Oh, come on, you know, there's a door leading me out. There is a way taking me through. There is a power that will buoy me up. It doesn't matter the diagnosis. It doesn't matter what happens around me or in me. Jesus Christ is in me, and He's already promised. See, that's why the church survived persecution. That's why the church survived all the nonsense, the hierarchy, the rituals, the religious entanglements. You know, that's what made Martin Luther take his 95 thesis and nail it to the wall of the church in Edinburgh. He said, there's something more. There's something more. There's something more. He said, when I read and I study the Scripture, it's not about the form, the ritual, the religious routine. It's about Jesus Christ living through me. And it's by faith through grace that I know Him and come into a relationship with Him. I'm looking for some folks who say there's something more. There's something more. It's not about a building. It's not about an address. It's not about a destination. It's about the Son of the living God living in me. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in me. And He's going to quicken my mortal body. He's going to give me courage. He's going to fill me with strength. He's going to speak healing into my life. He's going to provide my every... Oh, does somebody hear me today? Come on! Be the ecclesia. Stop being the church. Be the ecclesia. Because if you're the ecclesia, it doesn't matter what Satan throws at you. You're going to rise above. You're going to overcome. You're going to walk through it because of the power that dwells in you. You can walk through the death of the spouse. You can walk through the death of a child. You can walk through the loss of a job. You can walk through divorce. You can walk through betrayal. You can walk through bankruptcy. You can walk through the most evil and vile things the enemy throws at you if you're the ecclesia. Because you're a part of the called out ones. You're a part of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, let me flip the coin. If you're a part of the ecclesia, you can also walk through wild success. Fame and fortune. Notoriety, more money than you can ever count. If you're a part of the Ecclesia, it will not corrupt you. It will not spoil you. Because you understand God is your source. God is your provider. He's poured that into your life to enable you to be a source of provision for someone else around you. Matter of fact, I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody needs to hear it. It's harder to handle success in the kingdom of God than it is failure. You need to hear me. It's harder to handle success than it is failure. Because failure causes me to readily admit, I blew it, I messed up, I couldn't do it, I have to humble myself. Whereas success feeds the root of pride that lives in every one of us, and we need the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead to dwell in us, to kill that root of pride, so that we constantly humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, so that He can lift us up. See, that's the ecclesia. We're made up of all different people. Every different culture and generation, young and old, rich and poor. Every skin color and language group is a part of the ecclesia. And when we understand that, 
Then when my brother succeeds wildly and stays true to Jesus Christ and gives him honor and glory and sows into the kingdom, I'm not jealous. I need to say that one more time. I'm not jealous. But rather, I am thankful to God for His blessing on His life. And I say, God, do more, do more, do more, do more. Or when my brother fails and burns out. When my brother doesn't measure up, I'm not judgmental. Well, come on, you need to hear that. There's two J words you need to write down in your notes. Because those are the two responses to people around us. We either become jealous or we become judgmental. Neither one of them are a part of the ecclesia. See, the called out ones understand when God blesses my brother, I'm going to celebrate with him. And when my brother falls, I'm not going to judge him. I'm going to pick him up. What did the Bible say in John chapter 1 of Jesus Christ? It says that he is full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Oh, come on, church. We need to apply that. We need to live that. We need to take it down into our gullet today and allow God to do something in us so that we don't become jealous and we don't become judgmental. Tom, would you come back, please? The ecclesia is not a building. The ecclesia is not the sanctuary. The ecclesia is not 2820 Sharon Road. You are the ecclesia. You are the community. You are the called out ones. You are the gathering. That's why I told you last week, I can preach under a tent or a shade tree. I can go anywhere that God sends me, and it doesn't matter what the facility, the house, looks like. What matters are the people that fill the house. What matters is that we understand we are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We have heard the voice of the Savior and chosen to follow Him. And we understand that we are bound together, not by a building, not by an address, not by a denomination, not by religious rituals, not by a service that we're comfortable with. We are bound together by the Spirit of the living God. We are bound together by this central truth. Jesus died and rose again from the dead. That He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Ecclesia is where the power of God flows. The Ecclesia is where the presence of God is sought after. And the Ecclesia is where lives are touched and changed. The Ecclesia is not brick and mortar. You're the Ecclesia. I'm the Ecclesia. And it's time to shift our focus so that in the worst of times, we can experience the best of God. Because we are the Ecclesia. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room. You're in this place this morning. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never become a part of the Ecclesia. The called out ones. Those who name Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's never occurred in your life. But this morning as I was talking... Something was happening in you. And believe me, it's not my words. It's the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's convincing you and convicting you of your need to know the Savior. Your need to become a part of who He is. 
your need to be called out and allow His Spirit to fill your heart and to fill your life. I just talked about you this morning. I described you to a T in that statement. And right now, you want to do something about it. You want to express your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Right where you're set. You want to express your faith in Him. And you want Him to come into your heart, forgive your sins, and to change your life. To make you a part of the Ecclesia. That's you right where you're set. From the front to the back, in the risers, just lift up a hand. Hold it there until I see it. And I will acknowledge you. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to express my faith in a living God who loves me and died for me. As I wait a moment. As I wait a moment. Church, you're in this room this morning. The words the last two weeks have challenged you because it's challenged your thinking. It's challenged your definitions of what this place really is. And by standing to your feet in just a moment, you're going to say, I'm tired of church, and I want to be a part of the ecclesia. I want to be a called out one. I don't want to get bogged down in rituals and routines and religion and polity and policy. I don't want to get bogged down in denominationalism and the way we worship. I want to be a part of the called out ones who simply follow Jesus Christ. Not saying you're not saved, I'm saying you're making a shift in your thinking. A shift in the way you pursue God. See, because when you're the Ecclesia, it doesn't happen in the sanctuary. It happens in your home, in your bedroom. It happens in your car when you're driving down the road. It happens in your office or your workplace. It can happen when you're running that welder. It can happen when you're driving that truck. It can happen when you're babysitting that bratty kid. You're the Ecclesia. And what you experience from God is not contained in a building because it lives in your life. And you're saying, I want to make that shift in my thinking and the way I worship Him. Then if that's you, would you stand your feet across this room right where you're at? I want to be a part of the Ecclesia. I want to make a shift in my thinking that will change the way I live. I want to be a part of the Ecclesia. Just stand your feet with me wherever you're at. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Do your work in us today, Holy Spirit. Father, I now pray for every individual. You know, when we lift our hands, it's an act of submission and surrender. And it's simply saying, Lord, do what you want in me. I surrender to you. So those of you standing, would you do that right now? Would you lift your hands? And I don't care how high or how low, just make that expression. It's a tangible, evident way that we're saying, I surrender to you. Lord, I surrender to you this morning. And I pray that you remove from me everything that is contrary to who you are. Remove from me every definition, every ideology, every notion, conception that caused me to think the church is something other than what you intended it to be. I want to be a part of your ecclesia. I want to be a person through whom the power of your spirit flows and lives around me are changed. That's what the ecclesia is. So Lord, I pray for every person in this room that right now a shift occur in our thinking, a shift occur in our conversations, 
in our verbiage. A shift occur in what we expect when we come together. And remind every one of us in this room with our hands raised, it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about honoring the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's about being uplifted and glorified in this place. Make us the ecclesia. Bind us together because your word says it's good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity. It's there God commands the blessing, life forevermore. So Lord, in this room this morning, we are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We are the community of Jesus Christ. We're not Christian Heritage Church. We're yours. We're bought with a price. We belong to you. Now let us live a life that brings honor and glory and praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let us live a life that draws men to you. Now fill your ecclesia with the power of the Spirit of God. Breathe on us as you breathed on those 120 on the day of Pentecost. Breathe life into us and send us into your harvest field. Do your work in us and through us, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.